Amen. Let's just take a moment, and that was worship. You know, that was, uh, that was showing and demonstrating her talent for the Lord, but that quickly turned into worship. And let's worship the Lord for just one moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now we take pause, and as we get ready to transition to your word tonight, Father, we just want to lift you up one more time. We want to exalt you on this special day, uh, Pastor's Appreciation Day, much deserved, Lord. We just take pause, and, and God, we glorify you in this house. This is your house. It is an honor and a privilege to be in here with like-minded believers just to lift up the name of Jesus. God, I'm believing for great things tonight. I'm believing there's people that may not know you as Lord and Savior. It's going to come to know you. They showed up in this place tonight. Not, maybe they didn't even realize why they were here, but if they're not saved, they're going to be saved. Lord, I believe for healing tonight. And I'm not just speaking that um, out of some kind of routine. I just believe it's going to happen. We're living in a day and time where we got to have some expectation, where we got to start trusting and believing and speaking it. Father, we just love you. This whole house tonight, we love you. We worship. We sense your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we sense you. We sense your very presence. We worship you. We love you. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. And Father, we ask that you would bless this word as you've blessed this worship tonight. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. As you have your Bibles, open them up to one short passage of Scripture, Psalm chapter 27 and verse 13. And while you're doing that, um, they didn't really ask me to speak um, or say anything tonight, but, but I'm going to say just a few words. Uh, I was thinking, you know, I could come up here and talk about Kent Miller, but who really wants to do that? No, I'm joking, totally joking. He leaned over to me uh, tonight, and he said, be good. He said, be kind. He knew I had the microphone, and I said, you, you, be, you be good. You be kind. No, I, uh, I tease. I'm kidding around. Um, you know, I, I've said this before. What I'm about to tell you, I've said before in different form or fashion, and it's true. It's, it's never changed. I've, you know, I've, um, I've not been in the ministry anywhere near as long as a lot of people, but I've been in this thing long enough to know and, and meet and greet and get to know a lot of pastors not just in our denomination, but in our local communities, around other denominations, all over, literally all over this country. I've gotten to know a lot of people, a lot of great men and women of God. But I can honestly say, and, and I don't say this to, to blow smoke, if you all know me, I'm not the kind of guy to do that. I, I can honestly tell you, there is no better pastor. They're just not out there. Just not out there. And, and I, I believe that, you know, you, he, is, he is a phenomenal preacher. He's a phenomenal student of the Word. He and I used to bicker back and forth. I'd pick fights with him on Scripture just because I could. Just because I could. And man, we'd get going back and forth. And I, I, you know, a student of the Word, he knows the Word. And, and phenomenal preacher and loves people. You have to love people if you're going to be a pastor. There's a lot of preachers but they're not pastors. He's a pastor. And, and God has blessed him in so many ways. And of course, uh, Jenny Miller, um, it, it, again, it's already been said, and I don't want to just stand up here and, and be old hat. It, you know, truly he could not be, and this is not taking him down a notch. He could not be where he is without her. And we all know that. We know that. That's, that's not tearing him down, but at the same time, that is truth. Come on, somebody. 
And, and we honor them. We honor them after so many years of ministry. And, of course, I've worked with all these men at, at different, different levels, all these other pastors, and they truly are phenomenal, guys. I, I, I mean, whenever there's situations and circumstances, I mean, I'll just give you an example. Whenever this whole COVID thing broke loose, there were, there were pastors from all over the country, all over the country, wanting to know what that man was going to do about it how he was going to handle it. They, in other words, you say, well, you get it. My point is, he's a leader. He is a leader. And I, from all over the country, what, what's Kent Miller going to do? How's he going to handle this? How's he going to navigate this thing? And that speaks so well of him and, and his leadership. And it's not just us that appreciates his pastorate, but people all over this, this country appreciate that. Amen? So we honor you tonight, Pastor. I honor you tonight. It's, it's my privilege to be able to come up here and deliver this word. I was asked to preach, and I feel like I do have a word from the Lord. And as I was working on this message this week, just a thought uh, kept coming to me. Um, I don't know about you, but whenever I read the word, I read about the promises of God. I've really been a student of the promises of God, especially over the last three or four months. And uh, I like to look back in the Old Testament, especially, and see the different proclamations and the things that God made. And and so a question would always come to my mind. In fact, I've talked to different people about this lately, and my dad and Hannah, different ones. And, and this question keeps coming to my mind when I think about the things that the Lord used to do. Will he do it again? And this question would come up to my mind. I know he can. I know God can. But will he? How many of you ever had that kind of thought before? I asked my class on Wednesday night, I said, how many of you, uh, or maybe it was two Wednesday nights ago, I don't remember, I said, how many of you, you truly know, you truly believe God is, uh, you know, omnipresent, he's omnipowerful, he's all these things, he's got all these attributes, you, you really believe that, that God is all powerful. I said, how many of you really believe that? And they looked at me like I was a moron, and they're like, yeah, duh, of course we believe he can, of course, you know, of course we believe he's good. I said, okay, how many of you believe God will do it for you? And then some of them were like, Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Well, guess what? We're going to talk about this tonight. We're going to answer this question. And if you have your Bibles, open them up to Psalm chapter 27 and verse 13. You can remain seated. Just one short verse. Um, this is David that wrote this psalm. And David is in a time of desperation. He's at a time, he's in a crisis moment. And, and so kind of use that as the backdrop for what we're talking about. You can study out this whole chapter if you'd like, but verse 13 specifically speaks to me. And this is what he says. He says, and I'm reading from the HCSB version. It says, I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Somebody say amen to that. I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. It's easy to preach and believe that we're going to see blessing, that we're going to see, you know, un, un, truly, scripturally, unimaginable things in heaven. We, we just readily acknowledge that. But I'm believing we're going to see things in the land of the living. This is the land of the living. Somebody say amen. And I know it doesn't necessarily bear repeating, but I'll, I'll do it just to build up the crux of this message. And truly, we are living in unprecedented times. If that word unprecedented has been said once, it's been said, Lord only knows how many times... Lately, it, it seems like a moot point to make, but with that expression unprecedented comes thoughts such as fear. 
Thoughts such as anxiety and worry, which are only natural for all of us to experience at, at some level at a time such as this. When we think about the, the job losses that have been going on, the last I heard, maybe it's different, but the last I heard was 44 million people are out of the workforce. This is an unprecedented time. Bankruptcies untold. I heard the other day that said thousands upon thousands of small businesses have closed down and will never reopen. Millions are now on some sort of government assistance that have never been on government assistance before and never thought they would be. Um, healthcare worries from individual sickness from the COVID virus to all the accompanying things that have went with that and, and the fear of healthcare workers and on and on we can go. And now we see we've crossed into a state of rioting and, and all the things that are going on with that. And truly, any of those things of themselves would be difficult to deal with one at a time. But now we're living in a time where all of those things have come at us at the same time. It's unprecedented. And I know you're not, you didn't come here tonight for me to state the obvious to you, and I understand that, and you shouldn't have. And while it's okay and it's even oh, all right to acknowledge our difficult times, there's just a simple truth I want to convey to you tonight, and it is this, that we have an edge over the world. we got a big edge over the world. We've got an edge over our fears, over our anxieties, over our worries. You see, we acknowledge the hard times. We nod yes and that they are here, that they are legitimate and real. But at the same time, we also acknowledge that Jesus Christ is alive and well, that he has not given up his position, that he is still on the throne, that God is ultimately in control, that he has never left us nor has he forsaken us. In this passage I read to you, David, he is expressing, now get this, this is important, he is expressing the danger of his current situation, but at the same time, he is contrasting it with his faith. Let that sink in for just a moment. How many of us have went through difficult situations in your life and it is real, it is legitimate, it is a tough time. It is a difficulty. It might even be unprecedented in your life. But whenever you compare that against the reality of a loving Savior, when you compare that against the reality of that God is for you and that he is not against you, somebody say amen. When you contrast the situation with your faith in Christ, the situation really doesn't handle, have a hold a candlestick. Somebody say amen. It doesn't stand a chance. I'm not saying that the Lord may not allow you to go through some difficult things, but one thing you can hang your hat on is that if you will trust the Lord, He will use that situation for His own good and for your own good. Somebody say amen to that. How could David be so confident in the face of such a difficult situation? Just because he was confident in the moment did not mean that he was not having inner fears. How many of you ever had inner fears and struggles? You, were, you went ahead and you were courageous anyway in spite of your fear. However, what it did mean is that David learned to pull from his personal past experiences 
and the past experiences of God's dealings with Israel so that he could confidently say in that moment, I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would encourage everybody to stop right now and say that with me. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Raise your hand if you believe that tonight. Come on, raise raise them high. Let's give the Lord just a, a praise for just a moment. Praise the Lord for just a moment. If you really believe that, I believe it. I have to believe it. It ain't always easy to believe it. In my flesh, I don't want to believe it. Sometimes the enemy comes along and says, don't believe it. But my spirit says, you've got to believe it. Why? Because it's not some made-up figment of my imagination. It is not some figment of your imagination. It was a promise in the Word of God. It's something that David saw, that David was able to look back to in his own personal life and the life and the existence of Israel. And he began to contrast his situation with his faith. And as he began to look at the situation through the eye of faith, he understood that the Lord was going to get him through. There was faith in his statement. There was hope in his statement. There was expectation in his statement of belief. Not a faith or a hope or an expectation based on just some kind of passive wishing on a star, but it was built upon the knowledge and the truth of the person of God and his character and his promises. Let me just stop for a moment. You see, when I say a prayer, I'm not just speaking nonsense into the air to hear myself talk. I am in communion with Almighty God. I am in dialogue. Come on, somebody. I am in dialogue with the Creator. I am in dialogue with my personal Savior so that as I'm able to approach His throne of boldness his, his, with his throne of grace with boldness, I'm able to cast some things onto him in dialogue and I'm now looking at my situation from a different perspective. My situation is now up against God himself. And I understand that the scripture says that God is for me, that God is never against me. Come on, somebody. And when I look at the situation like that, I can understand the answer to my question at the beginning. I know he can But will he? And the answer is, yes, he will. Yes, he will. Somebody say amen. It's a faith and an expectation that says, I don't like what's going on in this time and season of my life, but I know God and I won't stay in this bad situation for long. Come on. I know God. He's not going to leave me in a bad situation for long. In fact, I'm just believing now more than ever that God's going to favor me. I'm the only one in the house. Me and Jerry are the only ones in the house believing that tonight. I believe God is going to give me favor. Listen, I know when I preach a message like this, Hannah told me, she said, you better be careful preaching a message like this. I said, why is that? And she said, you know that when you preach a message like this that all hell is going to come against you. Well, guess what? I got a bunch of prayer warriors in here tonight. We're all going to pull this thing through together. Somebody say amen. But I have to believe that God in this time, even though it's unprecedented, God's going to give me favor. How many of you believe he's going to give you favor? Favor in your health, favor on your job, promotion, financial blessing, relationships restored. He's just going to bless you. He's going to pour out blessing upon you. Not because of me. Hear me now. 
This ain't because of me, but because of Jesus and his promises toward me. That's the only reason this thing's going to have breakthrough. Not because I'm anything great, not because you're anything great, but because of Jesus and his promises and his grace and his mercy toward us. It was that kind of favor that allowed David to speak of another time and declare in Psalm 23. Now, I'm just going to kind of break this thing down and put it my, my, my kind of expression. If you know Psalm 23, basically what David was saying is, look, I'm going to lack nothing, and in fact, I'm going to walk in provision. That's basically what he was saying. When it talks about green pastures, he's basically saying, I'm not going to lack anything. In fact, I'm going to have plenty. I'm going to have provision. He goes on to say, you know, not only am I going to have provision, but God is going to give me peace and a peaceful life. Anybody need peace in your life? He was saying that God is going to guide me for his own namesake. He was saying that even in the dark times in the valley, it's not me just wandering around. God's got me by the hand. He's the one leading me through all this darkness. I want to tell you, church, the Lord's leading us through this darkness right now. I have to believe that. In fact, he's not only going to lead me through that, but he's going to protect me through it. How do I know? Because his rod and his staff, they will go with it. What do you think the rod was for? It was his beat-down stick. That's what it was. God will not only lead you, but he will protect you. In fact, in fact, I'm not only going to be protected in this, but I'm going to enjoy dinner, and God's going to plop me right down in the house of my enemy and feed me at his very own table. That's the kind of God I serve. We're going to walk right up in that joker's house and plop down and have the best meal of my life. And so are you. He goes on to say that he's going to anoint me. What does that mean? In other words, he's going to favor me. Not only am I going to have a fantastic meal, but God's going to give me favor. Then he's going to love me and hang with me all the days of my life. And then when my days are over, I'm going to hang my hat up and stay in his house for the rest of, the rest of eternity. That's Psalm 23 right there. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise on that one. Now, it was the same David... It was the same David that wrote both of these psalms and was confident in the character of God. He was not confident in his own self, but he was confident in God's nature and character. That's how he could be so confident in these things. And as a result, he could expect things from God. He could expect things from God. I know God can, but will he? I know he can, but will he? Well, I expect he will. Come on. I expect he will. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, David even had to recite to himself. He said, well, let's see here. By God's grace and mercy, I slew a bear. That should never have even happened. I should have been, I should have been bear food. But by God's grace, I slew a bear. He then went on and he said, you know what? I not only slew a bear, but I slew a lion. And by God's mercy, I slew a lion. That should never have even happened. How many people do you know that's ever killed a bear and a lion? Anybody? That should never even happen, but that was God's grace and mercy allowing him. And so David was pulling from past experience, and this is what he was saying. I know God can, but is he going to do it again? Are you with me? And then he basically answers his own question, and he says, Yeah, giant. He's about to do it again. 
He's about to do it again. Are you hearing me, church? Listen, we are facing some giants. We are facing some giants in this day and time. But God, David slew a bear and he slew a lion. And because God did it then, God's going to do it again. And he could confidently say, I will have the head of this giant too. Whatever that giant is in your life. So the question is, is it okay to expect something from God? Have you ever thought that? Lord, how dare, you know, we, we, in our pious selves, we, you know, we, we try and be all holier than, oh, we shouldn't have any expectation of God. Who do we think we are? Well, the last I was told, I'm an heir of God. And not just an heir, but a joint heir. So there's a double blessing in that. So I'm an heir and a joint heir, so yeah, I can have some expectations. I'm not talking about haughtiness. I'm not talking about arrogance. Come on, church. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not talking about having a bad attitude. I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. Arrogant. But you know what? I'm an heir. I got some expectation in this thing. I'm a joint heir. I, I kind of expect if you, Can I just be so bold as to say this? If I can't, then what's the point of all this? Right? If I can't, what's the point of all this? But I have to believe God is so good and he is so gracious and he's done it then and he's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. When I look in the New Testament, Luke chapter 3 verse 15, it declares this. It says, now as the people were in expectation and all reason of their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered them all. He said, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I come the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I simply want to make this point. The atmosphere God is looking for before he will move is that of expectation. Expectation. You know, it's one of them things, you know, where you walk into church, and listen, I know, I'm not pointing my bony finger at anybody. I know exactly what it is, but, but man, whenever we come into church sometimes, and we're just like, man, God is getting ready to do something in the house tonight. I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to do something in the house. Maybe tonight's my healing. Maybe, maybe tonight. I just expect to be healed tonight. Maybe tonight so-and-so is going to get saved. Maybe tonight so-and-so is going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. I know people in our church that have sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit for years and years and years. And listen, I know how, how that can weigh on your soul and how you can sometimes get discouraged. But don't give up. What if it happened tonight? What if tonight's the night? You know, where you come in with expectation, knowing it's a gift, knowing it's for you, knowing it's, you know, and that, that expectation, it's a breeding ground. And I don't know about you tonight, but I expect to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I expect I will. Because he said he would. He said he would. I expect provision. I expect favor in my life. I expect protection. We declare that we expect health, healing, and wholeness every Sunday. Do we believe it? I mean, we make that declaration, or are we just going through some kind of a high church, you know, uh, 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 just stammering, you know, we'll repeat after me like it's some kind of a... Mon no, no, no. Do we really believe it? It's a declaration of expectation that, that is pulling from past experience and from the Word of God itself. I expect to be blessed in all these things and more. Again, not because of who I am, but because of His grace and His mercy. 
and his favor. And because it's in the word, if it's in the word, it's mine. Somebody say amen. People are praying healing right now. Psalm 91. I'm just going to be honest with you. My line of work, what I'm doing now in my business, I don't need COVID in my business. I'm serious. It would be a serious deal if it hit my place. So you know what I pray? I go to Psalm 91. A thousand may fall at my hand and 10,000 at my right hand, but it ain't coming for me. It ain't coming for my men out there. The men we take care of, it ain't coming after them. You say, oh, now, Josh, listen, that's word. That's a promise of God. Where's the church tonight? Somebody say amen. Are you all awake out there? You say, why, why can I say that? Because like David said, because you have made me the Lord, made the Lord your dwelling place the most high, who is my refuge, he went on to say in that same chapter, no evil will be allowed to befall me. He went on to say, no plague is going to come near me. He went on to say, in fact, his very angels are going to protect me. I can't see them, but they're here. They're all around this place protecting me and protecting you. He goes on to say in verse 14, because I hold fast to him in love. I love the Lord. How many of you love the Lord? You love him. He loves you. You know, that kind of goes back to what you say, Josh, that's Christianity 101. Yeah, it is, but then again, it ain't. Until you can get it way down deep in your soul. If you, if you can get that way down deep in your soul, man, it just changes the whole game. He loves you. And I love him. It's going to be all right. Somebody say amen. Verse 14, he goes on to say, because I hold fast to him in love, he will deliver me. Verse 14, he will protect me. He will answer me in times of trouble. Verse 15, he will rescue me. And not only is he going to rescue me, but he's going to honor me. I don't know why. I ain't done nothing. But anyway, he says he's going to honor me. So I believe it. I, I receive it. I take it. He says that he will give me long life and satisfy me. How many of you are ready to be satisfied in the Lord? How can I say that when after all that appears to be a promise for David? Now this is, this is some theological stuff. I'm not going to get in real deep too, but it used to burn me up. When, when, when I was in seminary and you'd get some of these big wigs, you know, that would be talking about, well, you know, there's certain promises in the Word of God that's not really for us. It's only written down for, for the individual. And then one time I brought up this whole point. I remember talking in discussion. I said, well, you know what? I don't remember exactly how I said it, but I said something along the lines of, I said, you know what? Why would I want to read about what God's going to do for somebody else but He won't do for me? What, what, what's, what's the good about reading in the promises and the blessings of God in Scripture if I can't have hold of them. Is the Lord a tease? Come on. Where you at? God's not putting these things in the Word of God just to tease us. Say, well, now this was for David, but this really ain't for you. But we just wanted to go ahead and throw it in there anyway. We just wanted you to see what you're missing out on. You think that's who God is? Not at all. The blessings that are meant for us, I want every one of them. Amen? How about you? You want all the blessings of the Lord? Because it's also a blessing for me because I am part of spiritual Israel. God didn't just record his promises like this one in the Bible for me to read about what he did for someone else, but he won't do for me. How does that help me? 
How, how would that help me? How would that help me in my journey with the Lord? Well, it wouldn't. In fact, it would be, it would be a tease, I would think. That's how I can expect from God and declare that I too will see God's goodness in the land of the living. So that when you pray, pray with expectation. Again, I'm not talking about, you know, anger and righteous indignation toward God, but I mean when you pray, I expect an answer. When you praise, praise in expectation. When you worship, worship in expectation. When you sow a seed, expect to receive. Expect revival. Expect a great awakening. Expect forgiveness. Expect to make a difference in the kingdom of God with your life. Expectation sets the atmosphere for a miracle. How many of you need a miracle? Come on, don't be shy about it. How many need a miracle in your life? Then expect God to move. Because of his promises in his word, they are for you and God is for you. He is not against you. Look, you'll either live a life of excuses or expectation. I don't want to live a life of excuses. It'll either be a life of excuses. Well, God, you know, he'll do it for them, but he won't do it for me. Well, that's because, you know, blah, blah. And we come up with all these things. We got to quit making excuses why God can't and won't and start believing his word instead. There's a powerful verse in Colossians chapter 2. In verse 14, and I tell you, this, this really, for me, just settles the matter. This is what it says, verse 14. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Let me just translate it for you. What that basically says, in other words, anything that might keep you from humble expectation, maybe your sin debt, come on somebody, was canceled by what Jesus did for you on the cross. So there is nothing between you and God. In other words, him pouring out his blessing because if you are truly a blood-bought saint of God, you are truly saved, your sin debt, that separation, that thing that kept you and God apart, it was canceled out on the cross. You are wide open for a blessing. And it's time to expect it. Jason, I want you to come up here tonight if you would. I want us to do a, an illustration on that very point. Jason's going to play the part of Jesus tonight. That's simply because he's got a beard. <laughs> My kids told me tonight, they said, whoever you use, they've got to have a beard. And I said, okay. So this is, we're going to pretend tonight that this is the throne of God. This is the throne of Jesus. And Jesus is on his throne. Now there's a scripture that you guys have heard, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, where it says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Boldly to the throne of grace. How many of you got a problem with that, that, that scripture right there? I did. Let me explain why. Who in their sanctimonious, righteous mind would think you could dare approach the throne of God with boldness? How many of you would have a problem just running up to the throne of God? I would. I would. That scripture says that we are able to approach the throne of God with boldness. But here's what most of us do. Whenever we have a need, whenever we got a problem, and we got an issue, we see Jesus off in the distance. And there's something inside of us that says, i got to go to Jesus about this. I know I need to go to Jesus about this. Something inside of us says, I really want to go to Jesus about this. 
But there's condemnation. Come on, somebody. That stands between you and the throne of, uh, of grace. That whenever you get ready to take a step toward it. And Jesus is saying, come on. There's part of you that wants to come, but because of condemnation, you just say, well, that's not really for me. Lord, I need you. Lord, you don't know what I've done. Lord, I, I, who, who am I to even expect grace and mercy? Oh, Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? And the whole time Jesus is up there on the throne and he is saying, come on. What? Come on. What are you doing holding back? He's saying, I'm, come on. I want to give you grace. I want to give you mercy. And listen, I'm not talking about where you walk up to God like you're some cocky thing, but where I'm talking about where you understand who you are, that you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, that he loves you and that he cares for you, that the whole time that stuff's going on, Jesus is saying, come on. That way when he gives me the signal, I can just go, Lord, you told me to come, so I'm coming. God, I should be able to expect from you. Stand up. His word, his word says that I can approach his throne. That's all the permission you need. That's all the provision you need. And the problem of it, I feel the preaching spirit. The only thing that's keeping you down is that sense of condemnation that the enemy comes and puts in your brain and puts in your mind, knowing that if you ever break through that mess and you ever do follow his invitation, things are going to change in your life. So the whole time, he's saying, come on. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate you. The whole time, he's saying, come on. I can expect it because he said to come. His word says, come on. How many of us that have our children, have children or grandkids, whatever the case may be, when the dad or the mom or the grandparent gives the signal for the kid to come, don't they come? How many of you grandparents or you parents, you, you, let's just be real for a minute. You didn't really give them permission to come, but they came on anyway. I remember Luke and Lily, I, when I'd be laying on the couch when they were little, I'd be watching TV and boom and land right on my gut or something, you know. There was something about that relationship that just said, come on. And can I tell you, that whenever, whenever you feel like you are lacking in something and you're questioning yourself, well, I know he can. I know he can, but will he? The answer is, yes, he will. Yes, he will. Come on, church, give the Lord a hand clap of praise on that one. What time is it? Oh, uh. Paul said in Romans 8. Romans 8, you know where I'm going with this. Kent Miller does anyway. He preaches, if you, if you know the word of God, this is a famous passage of scripture. There's two, three verses I want to give to you. Romans chapter 8 verses 31 through 33 says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Listen to this next verse. Listen to this. Sink, let, let this just wash all over your soul. 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? All things. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. How many of you are justified? You're good to go, baby. I don't know what else to say about it. You're good to go. Listen, I know things in, in, in life. Believe you me. I tell you what, the last three months, whew, you've no idea. But I'm telling you what, I have to believe that greater things are coming. I have to believe greater things are coming. I expect that those that, are, that need healing, you're going to be healed. Maybe not exactly when you want it, but in his timing. It's coming. I expect financial blessing. I expect miracles. I expect those that need to be set free from drugs and alcohol and porn and depression and all that kind of stuff that God's going to deliver you. I expect those that need and want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's coming. Listen, people don't have any expectation from each other anymore. They don't have any expectations of themselves. They don't really have any expectation of God. Why? So that they're not disappointed. Well, if I don't expect anything from you, I won't be disappointed. Yeah, but you're already disappointed. And you're disappointing to be around. I'm just being honest. Expect little, get little. Expect much, get much. I'm expecting a lot. Come on. I expect God to move in this lawless country of ours. I expect reconciliation to come. I expect it. I expect this virus to be defeated. I expect the economy to boom. And those that have lost their jobs, they're going to come back and it's going to be even better and they won't even be able to explain why. Not only did they get their job back, but they got a pay raise. They don't even know why. I mean, I just expect it. And I expect when the Lord finally raptures the church out, we, the church, the remnant, is going to be on top. We're not going to be below, but we're going to be at the top of our game. It will never have been any better than what it is, and then we're going to rocket ship up out of this place and be with the Lord forever. Somebody say amen. I expect it. Acts 3. I'm hurrying, believe it or not. Acts 3, verse 5, we see the story of the lame man and a miracle. Now, when you study this, this story out, I've heard it preached before that the reason that the lame man was healed was because of the power of Jesus' name that Peter and John were preaching in. And absolutely, there's power in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. That's an obvious thing. It's a given. But could it be that the reason that he received what he received was because in verse 5 it says this, so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. He expected it. If he didn't expect anything, I believe, I really do, I believe Peter and John would just walk right by him. But he expected something from them. And so you're in here today, 
And the question, are you really expecting anything today? Again, not out of an arrogant attitude, but neither out of some kind of passive, you know, uh, false humility, some kind of passive hope, some kind of passive belief in God, but instead I have an expectation. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 mentions this. There's a part in that verse that says this, and I'm just reading part of it. It says, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. I heard one man say this. He said, the devil is not afraid of, uh, isn't afraid of who you are today. He's probably not, he's obviously not afraid of who you used to be, but he is afraid of who you can be in Christ. He is scared of that. And so that's why he's trying to keep all this nonsense and all this just, you know, just everything swirling in your head. He's trying to keep you distracted because if you can, if you ever, if you ever figure out what it is the Lord's got for you, mm -mm -mm, he's afraid of that. But I believe that something big and good is coming. I believe it. I have to believe it. You say, well, Josh, why do you have to? Because it's in his word. It's in his word. I expect God is greater than any of my lack of faith or fear. I expect that God is bigger than any of, of my condemning heart. The scripture says so. If my heart condemns me. Guess what? God's bigger than your condemning heart. God is big. God has not forgotten you. And your waiting and your expecting is not a denial from him. Somebody say Amen. Because you expect something and it hasn't happened quite yet, that's not God ignoring you. That's not even necessarily a no. That's just God saying, hold on, I'm not yet done getting things ready. Slow down. I'm working on it. Slow down. How many of you believe that? The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 20, Unto them that look for him shall he appear. How many of you are looking for the Lord? I'm looking for him. I don't want to be caught off guard. Whenever God's blessing and favor comes, I want to be in the middle of it. When the Lord returns, I, I'm, I'm looking. I'm telling you, every one of you better be looking toward the eastern sky. It could happen any moment. I'm just telling you. How many of you are on board with that? The rest of you is going to be left here. You better get right with the Lord because I'm telling you, it's fixing to happen. So I'm about to bring it to a close. I expect God to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything that I can ask, think, or dream. Why? Because He said so. Because He can. Because He will. Listen, I know you might not have it, whatever it might be in your life right now, but expectation gets me excited because I know it's coming. Whatever that thing is that you are needing, that healing, that breakthrough, that blessing, that deliverance, that whatever, if you will keep plugging in, if you will keep being excited, if you will keep, you know, if, if you will keep looking and anticipating. I was thinking about this. I know what it is to, you know, maybe plan a vacation or plan a trip or some big event that you got coming up. How many of you will go mark that stuff down on the calendar? And then as it gets closer, you'll start checking it off. You know, you'll just, countdown started, you know. You're just, oh, Lord, we're one, mm, thank you, Jesus. You know, you're one day, one day closer. You know what I mean? You're about to have a shout. And you're looking forward, and you're about to have a breakthrough, and you're about to dance in the Spirit, all because vacation's coming up in 42 days or whatever it is, you know. There's an expectation. How many of us really expect that kind of stuff from God? 
man, I need to be healed and it ain't happened yet, but I tell you what, we got a bunch of prayer warriors praying and God listens to them. It's coming. Maybe today, might be tomorrow, but it's coming. I expect God to move. We have to, we have to look for Him and wait for Him and long for Him expectantly. There's another part of the scripture that goes on that talks about how the lame man went to the lame man went to the temple expecting to get from the passers-by what he would get every day. Just, just to get enough from the passers-by to get him through another day. That's not living. I said, that's not living. So Peter and John show up and they basically rock his world. They basically say, I don't even have what you're wanting. I got something better. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have. In the name of Jesus. And you all know the story. But what about you? Are you expecting just another Sunday? Or for maybe a Peter and a John, better yet Jesus, to show up and bless you, which do you expect to happen? Do you expect to just show up day to day in your life for it to be a situation where you get just enough to get through like the lame man? Or do you want God to show up on the scene and bless you unexpectedly with something so far better? Come on, what do you want? Expectation makes the difference. In closing... There's the story in Mark chapter 10 of blind Bartimaeus, also the beggar. I thought this was interesting. I found this online and tried to do some verification to make sure it was true. The best I can tell, it's true. Some of y'all can look this up to see if I'm wrong, but as best I can tell, it's true. That history says that the Roman government in this time, uh, for somebody that was legitimately, that's the key word, legitimately um, a lame or a beggar. They had some kind of disability where they couldn't work or something of that nature. History says that the Roman government would issue such people a robe, some kind of a cloak or some kind of a robe. It would be an official robe that would have a certain design to it and it would have a certain color to it that, that beggars would have to wear. And so what it signified was to everybody that would come walking by, if they saw somebody wearing that particular garment, it would let them know that, hey, this is a legitimate need. This is a legitimate need. This person legitimately is in need. They're not just trying to pull your leg and get one over on you. And so here Bartimaeus, from what most scholars say, obviously had that kind of a robe. And what I think is important, he had been given that identity as a beggar by the Roman world. The Roman world come by and said, you are lame. You are broken down. Here's your robe to signify that you are nothing more than a beggar. That you are somebody that is lame. We want you to wear this. And the world was saying, this is who you are. But in hearing that Jesus was close by, get this now, you know the rest of the story. In hearing that Jesus was close by, the scripture points out that he began to call out to Jesus, Jesus! There's crowds all around him. The disciples were there. Disciples were even trying to get him to shut up. Jesus! Blind. 
He couldn't couldn't seem to go to him. He just had to wait there. And so he began to scream out loud. And Jesus, he got Jesus' attention. And so Jesus told his disciples, he says, bring him to me. And verse 50 says something powerful. And it says this, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. You say, what are you talking about? What I mean is, is this, is that that label that the Roman world had put on him as nothing more than a blind, lame beggar that he had bought into that lifestyle, that livelihood, that moniker, that, that way of existence, he finally got up and shook himself and said, not anymore. Verse 50. So he took it off and he cast it aside. And the disciples marched him right up to Jesus. Now listen, you know the story. Here's what's, here's what's so important. That cloak, being a, a blind, lame beggar, that cloak was probably some of the only possessions he had. It was probably uh, his only means of warmth. But he stood up at the behest of Jesus. And why did he do that? Because he had heard what Jesus had already been doing with so many other people. Jesus' reputation preceded him. And so here Bartimaeus is, he's just sitting there begging and all that. What, 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 what do you mean? What do, you, what do you mean Jesus is here? Jesus, the guy that heals, that guy's here. He's blind, he can't see. Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus hears him from off. And he stood up when the disciples came to get him and he took off his old way, shed that thing, And because he had heard that he had done it in the past. Are you getting me now? Is he going to do it for me? The answer is yes, he will. I want every person to stand in this church tonight. You know where I'm going with this thing. This ain't some deep preaching. For those of you, I just, I feel led of the Lord. For those of you, don't move until I say go, but those of you that need healing, you need deliverance from something, I don't care what it is, some kind of an addiction, you need some kind of financial breakthrough, you maybe want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, oh, maybe you want to be saved tonight. Tonight's the night. If that is you, you say, well, Josh, I have prayed, and I have prayed, and I have prayed. It's been a long time. Listen, he's done it in the past. He'll do it again. He's going to do it again. But you have to expect it. And and, and listen, if I'm not trying to cast out. You hear me out. If, if, If you come up here and that thing that you're expecting doesn't happen tonight, don't take that as a no from God. Take that as something where God is saying, I hear you. I'm working on it. I haven't forgotten you. I'm working on this thing. I'm setting the pieces in motion. Are y'all hearing me tonight? So whether, listen, I'm just believing for healing. I'm believing for souls to be saved. I'm believing for deliverance. There's somebody in here who needs to be delivered tonight. You've been, you've, I'm telling, I don't know what it is. Drugs? 
I just sense in my spirit there's been people dabbling with drugs. You didn't mean it to go anywhere near as far as it has gone, but it has got a hold of you. God's going to set you free tonight. You have to expect it. You have to claim it. You have to believe it. You have to operate in it. You have to choose it. And listen, there's going to be a war. We, we live in, a, uh, in, in spiritual warfare. It's real. It's legitimate. But every day, just keep expecting. If, if that's you, are you ready to get up out of your seat and that thing that's kept you bound, like Bartimaeus, take that cloak off, cast it aside, and say, not anymore. Jesus is going to heal me. How many of you are ready for that tonight? Raise your hand. We're going to pray. And if that's you, I want you to come. Father, in the name of Jesus, every person that needs to come up here for healing, let them come. Father, every person, come on, every person that needs to be delivered tonight from something, you ain't got to tell nobody what it is. God already knows what it is. I don't need to know it. He already knows it. Come on. Those of you needing a financial breakthrough, listen, 44 million people, 44 million people on, on, on unemployment. You need a financial breakthrough. Come on up here. What else? Hey, anybody need to be saved tonight? You feel the unction of the Holy Spirit. You say, man, what does that draw? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart. Come on. You remember when Jason, come up, come up here, Jason. Come up here, Jason. Come here. Bring your chair again. Come here. Bring your chair again. I feel led of the Holy Spirit. This is just strictly illustration. Strictly illustration. Papa squat right there, brother. You remember what we said? The only thing that is keeping you from the throne of grace is not Jesus. It ain't Jesus. It's that condemnation and it is that lie and that belief that you have, you, you've bought into of the devil that says, I am not worthy. What was Jesus doing the whole time? Come on. His throne is saying, come on. You said, you mean, yeah, you said, it, I don't know how else to say it. His word says to come on. Where are you? Come on. Come on, make the move. Come on. I ain't going to hold for long. His throne of grace, he's already said, come on. But Lord, you don't know. Yes, he, yes, he does know what you've done. But because of love and because of grace and because of mercy, he's saying, come on. I want to give you grace. I want to give you mercy. Those of you that are up here for healing, you say, man, is he going to do it? Yeah, he's going to do it. Why? Because he's done it in the past. He's done it in the past. He, guess what? He doesn't change. Well, how do I know that? Because of his word. I can go all day long in the word if you want me to. Listen, how many of you that are up here? How many of you that are up here tonight? You need healing. Raise your hand. I believe in healing for you. Is it confirmed, MS? God's going to heal you. You got way too much life ahead of you. You're going to be healed. Dad, you've been praying a long time. Listen, 
I'm not just saying this because he's my dad. You know how long we've prayed for healing in his, in his kidneys and everything else? And they're saying, you know, and it, it may come in a transplant. It's possible. We're all right with that. Wouldn't it just be awesome tonight if God just, I don't know, healed his kidneys and he went home working just fine? How many of you, I'm going to ask you what I asked in my class. How many of you believe God can do it? How many of you believe he's going to do it? Listen, I'm telling you, there's faith in this house tonight. There's faith. Keep your faith up right now. Keep your faith up. Listen. Mm, 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 mm. I need everybody to move on this one. I need everybody to help me out on this one. No spectators tonight. Are you with me? This is all participators. All participators. Jesus is saying, come on, tell them to come on. He said, come. The throne, come. Listen, I need everybody that will. I need you to come up and gather around these. You need, did, how was your, is it okay? How was your report? Is your report good? Come on, come on up here. You had a report. Um, so recently I got a report that the cancer lesions have returned or they're not, re it's not new cancer, but it's old cancer. But honestly, I do not have cancer. I do not feel like I have cancer. Not a day have I felt like I had cancer. So I have faith that God has already healed me. It's just not showing yet. Amen. So thank you for praying Amen. for me. Amen. We're going to pray for her tonight. We're going to pray for her. Listen, those of you that come up, how many for healing? Those of you that come up, how many need healing? Okay. Raise your hand, Dad, so they can see. Those around you can see. Okay, now some of you come up here for other needs, and that's fine. I'm not going to ask you exactly what they were, but, but this is what I want to do. Everybody that needs healing tonight, we're going to pray for them first. You other people that came up here for different reasons, do not go anywhere. You're coming up. You're next. Are you with me? So if you need healing... We want to pray for these. So raise your hand real high if you need healing tonight. And at church, let's gather around. Faith is so high in this place right now. Let's gather around. Let's pray for healing. I, I, I've just got to go back to the Word. I just have to go back to the Word. That's all I know to do. Keep praying. Keep praying. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Come on. Keep praying, church. Keep praying. Keep praying. Listen. I want you to pray, and I'm going to recite the Word of God. Pammy, the Lord's healing you right now. Listen to the Word of the Lord. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my God and my refuge in, in whom I trust. He himself will deliver you from the hunter's snare. From the destructive plague, he will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. Keep praying. Keep praying. You will not fear the terror of the night. 
or the arrow that flies by day? The plague that stalks in darkness or the pestilence that ravages at noon? Though a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. No harm will come to you. You hear that? I say unto you, no harm is going to come unto you. No plague is going to come near your tent. He will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. Yes. They will, su <laughs> they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the young lion and the serpent because he is lovingly devoted me, says the Lord. I will deliver him. This is a promise. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls out to me, I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble and I will rescue him and I will give him honor and I will satisfy him with long life and I will show him my salvation. I expect healing. I expect healing. I expect it. I expect healing in you, Dad. Too many prayers. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, keep praying. Okay, there, I'm telling you, there's healing right now. There's healing happening in this house. It's happening. It's happening. 
So, so listen, if you came up here for a different reason than healing, I, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to scream out loud what it is. I'm not trying to be all up in your business. But if it was for another purpose, you came up here for another purpose, I want you to raise your hand. Come on up here, Andrew. Come right up here, Andrew. Come on. Anybody else? You came up here for a different reason. Okay. Anybody else? A different reason you came up here other than healing. Jordan, we got a few. And a different reason. I need some prayer warriors up here. Melody, would you come here? I need some prayer warriors up here. I tell you what, if you come up here for a different reason, Andrew, come on up here. Jordan, did you come up here? So who else? Who else? It was you? Who else? Anybody else? You come up here for a different reason. Listen, I want you guys, we're praying for them, but I want you guys to just join hands, the three of you. Different reasons, but you're up here for, did you come Listen. <clears throat> now here, I, mm, I feel the Holy Spirit in this. Don't pray for yourself. Pray for the next one. Pray for the next one. You say, you say, listen. If you're saying, Josh, I need the Lord to forgive. Listen, you're already forgiven. The Holy Spirit, you, you, you're in your spirits. You've already, if you need up here for forgiveness, the Lord's already forgiven you, Andrew. You've already meant it. You're serious. He's already forgiven you. He's already forgiven. You believe that? You believe it? They know they're forgiven. Some things that need to get, and the Lord just washed them clean right then and there. How many of you believe that? Now look, here's what I want you to do. And the Lord's going to use you. You say, well, Josh, is the Lord really going to use me tonight? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. If you will believe it. You say, well, how do I know? Because I know his word. I know his word. You are now righteous. Not your own righteous, but the righteousness of Christ is imputed unto you. And then the word goes on to say that the prayers of what kind of people? What does it say? Righteous people, it avails much. So you're praying for these and there's going to be healing. There's going to be all kinds of things happen. You mean God's going to use you tonight? Yes, he is, Andrew. Yes, he is. Jordan, the Lord's going to use you. Do you believe it? Start praying. Church, raise your hands this way. Come on. They did not expect to be prayer warriors in the house, but God had a different idea. Come on. I'm telling you, the waters are stirred. Who else? 
Who else? Who else is needing something tonight? Who else is needing something? I'm going to pause. The waters are stirred. Where are you? Come on. Lost loved ones? Anybody got any lost loved ones? Come on. Come on, raise your hands. Who else? Come on up here, Kathy. Pray for each other. The Lord's operating in this tonight. Lost loved ones. <laughs> yes. It's going to happen, Kathy. We believe in household salvation. 